Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. Um, but no, I'm really excited to be able to share this morning. Um, so we've been looking at this, the glory of God. We exist to know God, to experience his glory, and to give him glory. And uh, by that, let me explain. I think we get really confused with this term, to give God glory. What does that mean? So if God is full of glory, if we are to experience his glory, how do we give it to him, right? That's like us going to the richest person in the world and saying, I'm going to give you money. And they're like, okay, (laughs) good job. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? We think of giving God glory as somehow we give him more glory. Like if he has this amount, and then when we come to him in our worship, he has more glory all of a sudden. Like somehow we add it to his account. It doesn't quite work that way, okay? What, when we give God glory, what it does is it puts our focus on his glory and brings others to his glory. So when we give him glory, we're not actually adding to his value of glory. We are recognizing what he has. And we are bringing others into a recognition of that glory. Make sense? So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. This morning we're going to look at, as we close this series, how do we glorify him? Uh, and why should we? Does it, why should we glorify him? What does that look like? John chapter 15, verse 7 If you don't have a Bible, the one in the pew in front of you is a gift to you. You can have that. John chapter 15, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus, the classic chapter of talking about abiding in him. But we're going to start here at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Time out there for a second. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus has given us this awesome blank check. And it's not one that we waste on silly things. It's if we're abiding in him, we're asking for his kingdom, aren't we? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you, right? It's the same essence. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're abiding in me, You have access to what I have. That's good news, right? Does anybody, like, believe that this morning? I'm just curious because you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, sure, Jesus, whatever. These are his promises to us. This is his words to us. John, I love the last section of John because it's his closing address to his disciples. If you want to know who I am, here's my last statements on some things. So in John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do we glorify the Father? By bearing fruit. We give him glory by living a lifestyle that bears the fruit of the Spirit, that produces something. That we, we give him glory... We bring recognition of his presence and his work in our lives when we demonstrate it to others. When I live a life that is fruitful of the kingdom, fruitful in the spirit, 
I give glory to the Father. That's my part in his glory. He has given it to me. We see later Jesus says that he has given us his glory, but he has also asked us to listen to him, to bear fruit, and then give the Father glory, to make recognition of his glory, to make his name known. Make sense? To point others out to him. And then what's it say after this? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, if you want to glorify the Father, abide in love and listen to what I have said to do. The very first commandment, Jesus' commandment for us. This is not going back to the old law, okay? Like Ben talked about last week. This is not, hey, keep my commandments, go back to the old law and do all these things perfectly and then all of a sudden you'll have some kind of abiding status that'll get you extra points and then you can ask for the things you want to ask for and then, then you'll be happy, right? That's not what he's saying. Keep my commandments. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone that lays down his life for his friends. If we want to give glory to the Father, if we want to make his name known, then the way we do that is by bearing fruit. And the way we bear fruit is letting people see that we are filled with love. Sacrificial, selfless, denying of ourselves love. Greater love has no man than this, he, he that would lay down his life for his friend. Jesus set the model, and if we abide in him, we live that way. And that's how we give glory to the Father. You guys good with me this morning? You guys all right? We do these things, we, we live in love, not out of this weird self Beating, whatever that word, like penance, like I'm going to deny myself and keep smacking myself and doing things I don't really want to do to love others because I, God says I have to. Why? Why? Why would we give glory to God? Why would we love others sacrificially? What does Jesus say? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When we die to ourselves in Christ, when we recognize who we are, that we abide in him, that we see and recognize his love, and we bear fruit of his love, and we keep the commandment of loving one another, when we do that, our joy tank gets fuller and fuller and fuller. That his joy is in us, and our joy is full. Not half, not partial, not here one day and not the next. It's full. You guys ever have a cup that's full? Like you tell your kids to go get me a tea, and it's almost too full, right? (laughs) You're like, you just spilled half of it on the floor. It's no longer full because they tried to fill it and they couldn't keep it full, right? Last night, I walked into the bedroom. I had a cup full of tea and I bumped my hand and there goes the entire cup of tea. You would have thought that I lost a child in the mall. My wife freaked a little bit. And then I just took a rug and, or a towel and squished it around. This is how men clean up tea on the carpet. That's it. It's old carpet in that room, so it's not a big deal. My wife's glaring at me right now. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5. Let's go there. I'm going to change the subject real quick so she forgets what I just said. Matthew chapter 5. If you don't know, so I was just kind of reading Jesus' last sermon to his disciples, but let's go back to his like first one, the first big one. 
Matthew chapter 5. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to verse 13. Jesus, this is right after all the blessed. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn. It goes through all those blesseds. And it's where he flips the entire structure upside down. The way that we think of life. But this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Jesus, right away at the beginning, they, I mean, they haven't even gone through the hey, say a salvation prayer yet thing, right? They, they haven't filled out this card, gone to the catechism class. They, they haven't signed membership in his official fan club yet. They've not gotten on his email list. None of those things have happened yet. Jesus is giving his first message about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he says, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Why? Because they're hearing his voice. They're, they're hearing what he's saying. And he says, so therefore let your light shine before others that they may see your, your what? Your, your, good, your good deeds, your good works. You know what the word for works is in the Greek? It's works. <laughs> it, it, it's the things that you do. The actions. It, now let me say this. It doesn't say that they may see your controversial Facebook posts or the message that says, you share this with a hundred friends, God will bless you and glorify the Father in heaven. Um, it doesn't say that they may see your opinions posted online, right? Or that they may see your quiet and timid, kind behavior toward all things offensive, right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that they'll know God and glorify Him by your tolerance of everything or your intolerance of everything. What it says is that they'll know God because you're the light of the earth, you won't be hidden, and they'll see your good deeds, the good works that you do in love. Jesus at the end of his life is saying, love me, it's the only commandment I'm giving you. Love me, love others. Do that and they'll know your mind and they'll give God glory. At the beginning he says, do what you've seen me do. Be a light. And they'll see God. They'll glorify Him. If you want to know how to give God glory in your life, which the chief end of man is to know God, to enjoy God, to glorify Him forever, it's a part of what we're called to do. If you want to know how to glorify the Father, live love. And love requires action. Love requires doing something. See, the, the interesting thing about salt here is it, it talks about taste, but salt, salt back then was mainly known not just for its taste, but also for its preservation, to keep things healthy, food, edible, right? And so once salt has lost its ability to keep things preserved, to keep things flavorful, it's trampled on the ground. Um, we were away in Disney this last week, um, which we were hoping for shorts weather in Florida, because 
It's sunny Florida, and we got there, it was downpouring rain and 50 degrees, and it kind of stayed like that most of the week. Um, we sat out watch, watching fire, uh, fireworks in 48-degree weather, and all we had brought was a hoodie, so that was fun, <laughs> keeping the kids warm. Those guys were making money off of selling blankets at Disney World that day. It was, it was crazy, and hot chocolate. But um, we had left, and Ben texted me. Ben was checking in on the house for us, and our front driveway slash sidewalk slash yard was about 12 inches deep in ice, like solid chunk of ice. Like if you, we wanted to ride the frozen ride at Disney World, we just had to come back to Scranton and sit on my sidewalk for a little bit. Um, you think I'm exaggerating. We'll post pictures later. It's, it covers my first two steps of the house, right? And it's because the neighbor's house, which is abandoned and condemned, Apparently, they turned their water pipes back on illegally after Pennsylvania, you know, or American Water had shut it down, and it has cracked and is coming, like a little stream of water flowing out of their yard and into my everything, um, and it is creating this constantly growing field of ice, right? So Ben and Andy went out, thankfully, and bought two bags of ice and poured it so that they could walk, and I think Ben fell a couple times, Andy slid multiple times. Uh, thankfully, my wife and kids, we did not really slide because they created a path of ice, right? With assault in the ice. That, that, that path is gone now. It's now ice again. But the idea is that salt trampled under feet provides what? Traction. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, if you miss this completely and you don't do good works, you're a piece of garbage. What he says is you still, it says except for, doesn't he? He says, except for trampling under the feet. Any, good for, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Basically, if you're a Christian that's not living as light of the earth, the only job you have, you don't have flavor, you don't preserve anything, you don't keep what is pure and holy, you don't preserve the life of the kingdom. What you do have is this thing where the, the unbelievers can walk on you and hopefully still get to where they need to be. That sounds good, doesn't it? We see later in chapter 7 talking about casting your pearls before swine, that they would trample it under the feet, or, or dogs as well. It's the same imagery. What is this? Is this unbelievers who don't get the holiness of Jesus, they don't fully see it, so they walk on it. Jesus says, if you don't reflect my goodness, if your deeds don't reflect abiding in Christ, if you don't live that out, if you don't love sacrificially, then you still have a purpose. It's just not the same purpose. You still have a purpose in the kingdom. It's just not what you're called to. This is not like a works mentality. This is a reflection of you abiding in Christ. If I abide in him, then I get to ask for whatever I need. So if it's healing, healing. If it's provision, provision. If it's for generosity, generosity. If it's for extra compassion and mercy and grace for others, then he gives that to me. If it's a prophetic word, if it's a word of knowledge, if it's a word of the sermon, if it's a sermon of spirits, if it's the gift of helps, I ask for these things because I'm abiding in Christ, I'm living in love, and he gives it so that my works then, the things that I'm asking for, the things that I'm doing, the sacrificial love toward others points others to the glory of God. Does, does this make sense? 
This is what we are called to be a part of. This is Jesus' opening address and closing address to his disciples. Live in love. Abide in me. Know my sacrificial love. And then your joy will be full. Light cannot be hidden. It has to be displayed. It has to be an action. If, if we want to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to be a missional church. We have to be living sacrificial love. We have to be giving this thing out. We have to be bringing glory to God through the things we say and do to others. Romans chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but it says this in verse 14. This is Paul writing to the, to the church. How, will they, how then will they call on him in whom they have not heard or not believed? And how, will they, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul asked the questions, how are they ever going to know what they're missing if no one says anything? How are they ever going to believe in him? How are they going to recall on his name? How are they ever going to simply, like that song we sang this morning, and all I did was bow down. All I did was stand still. He's our defender. He's our rescue. He's everything. He picked up all my pieces, put me back together. How are they ever going to do that unless they simply know, hey, stand still and let him rescue you. Stand still and walk in grace. Stand still and receive his free gift of mercy. How are they ever going to know that and be fully surrendered and embraced and have all their pieces put back together unless they have heard of the goodness of Jesus, unless they've heard the message of the gospel? How's it ever going to happen? Ben said last week, you can't experience what you don't know you're missing. This morning, I want you to understand that God's glory and his grace are the only things that really matter. I mean, his rescue is all that matters for this life and the next, for here and for eternity. When I receive grace, I have the fullness of joy now. I have the fullness of life now. I have freedom in Christ now. I get to experience what he has called me to experience right now, and I also get eternity with him. I don't, I don't care what your end times view are, what you think heaven or hell looks like, if it's real gates of gold and harps and, and angels, or if, I, I don't know why the angels are doing this, by the way. My angels don't play harps, they play electric guitar. Um, or if your view of hell is like fire, brimstone, whatever it is, it's, God's not there. And so I don't want to be there. It's separate from him. It's absent from him. If, if we are all meant to find purpose in that, why would I hold that away from those who have never experienced it? Paul reminds us, how are they ever going to know unless somebody goes and says something? How will they ever know what they're missing? See, for God to create us and not want you to know or worship him would be the ultimate act of, of evil, of selfishness. You guys okay? For you to not, for God to not desire that all men come and worship at his feet would be the ultimate act of selfishness because in his presence is fullness of joy. Worshiping the only one who's worthy of worship is the only way that us as the created things with a mind, a body, a spirit, a soul, it's the only way that we can ever fully know goodness is in him. If he would desire for us to be separate would be the ultimate act of evil. 
So why as Christians who have experienced his glory and are continually experiencing his glory, would we want others to stay separate? That would be an act of evil on our behalf. Ben was joking last week about the constant argument we have about Disney World, right? We, we, um, he wants Emma to never go to Disney World because he's cruel. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He just doesn't know. Like, as somebody who enjoyed Disney movies and, like, the whatever, and then I took my kids there and I watched them dance like princesses in front of Cinderella's castle or palace or whatever it's called, I don't know. But to see the joy on my kids' face and to experience those things with my family, there's an experience there that I want other people to know. Make sense? And so I talk about Disney. Jared, Pastor Jared, who founded this church, him and his wife were going to Orlando for the Pro Bowl last week. And so they were in Disney right before we got there. And he called me. He's like, hey, tomorrow Aaron and I are thinking about going to Disney World. Which park should we go to? And I'm like, you want me to pick a park? That's like asking, you, asking me to pick a child. Like, which one of my children do I love? I don't know. Um, pick, well, they all have perks. And so I, I ended up with Magic Kingdom because it's, you know, it's the eldest. It's the oldest born. You have to experience the <laughs> oldest one first. I'm kidding. I'm taking this a little too far, I know. So... <laughs> So I, I go, to, go to Magic Kingdom, you know, and they're like, well, what should we do there? So I get my phone out. I text them a list of all my top rides, like the ones you have to do. And I put a small world on there, not because it's cool, but because it's classic. I'm like, honestly, this ride is boring as all. Anyway, it's terrible. But it's original, so I'm like, you have to go and experience it, whatever. I send them the list. They get there. They don't have any fast passes. They didn't plan anything out. And they were there the day before the Pro Bowl, okay? So everybody is there. They got on two rides the entire day. They did not love it. They did not have the same experience that I did. Why am I saying this? Because Disney World and all of its magical whatever that I amp up with my kids still has flaws, right? And, and to give somebody a snapshot of something, I didn't have time. I didn't have the space to prepare Jared and Aaron. Like, no, you got to plan this thing out seven months in advance. If you want a good meal, you got to book it before you even think about flying. Like, you, you have to plan this. This is why you get travel agents, right? Like, you have to figure this thing out. Allie's in the back ready to help you at any moment. <laughs> See, the thing is, like, Disney and all of its fun is still a place where I got stuck on a ride for 30 minutes with my, two, with my nephew and my daughter. Now they did get me another fast pass for a, a good ride. But there was issues. We had to wait in bus lines, and we had to stand in lines, and sometimes the weather's cold. We were, it's 48 degrees. We're in, I wore the same hoodie every day because I did not expect it to be 48 degrees in Florida right now. Like, there's, there's problems on that vacation. There, kids are all over Disney World, and I love my kids, not everybody else's. Like, I've, I've heard so many kids laugh and giggle and cry in the same day. Like, it was a constant, if you don't stop, we're going back to the hotel, everywhere across the park. Like, it's awesome and terrible. And I'm saying this because I've spent so much energy trying to convince Ben to go to a place called Disneyland, which is fun and expensive for four days, if that. And then after that, it's over, and you have some pictures, and somehow we got pictures on our phone of other people's families. They're not us. And the ones we wanted of us, we didn't get, right? There's, what I'm saying is there's, there's a lesser glory, and we will sell out for things that don't really matter, like the Super Bowl today. 
Tom Brady is in his ninth Super Bowl. That's annoying, right? And, but we will sell out for our teams. Like everywhere down in Florida are people walking around in jerseys like my Miami Dolphins who haven't made the playoffs in a while, right? We will sell out for things that don't matter. But the only thing that truly matters is the glory of God and letting unbelievers come to the beauty of a knowledge of Him. We don't say anything. And Jesus begins and ends his ministry with, hey, be salt, be light, abide in me, let them see your good works, let them know of my love, so that they know me as well. You want to glorify me? The only thing that really matters, then abide in my love and give love out. We were created to share love. Anytime we, whenever, anytime we, we have something to celebrate. We invite our friends, don't we? I mean, we have birthday parties like all the time. Congratulations, you're another year older. Like, hopefully everybody does it, right? But we have big parties and celebrations. I love them. I'm not mocking them. I'm saying, really, they're silly when you think about it. But we celebrate things all the time. We have New Year's parties, Christmas parties, Super Bowl parties. I'm not having one because there's nothing to celebrate about this one. Anyway, keep moving on. We celebrate the things that we enjoy. We were at Disney for our, our last day, our last meal, and we had dessert in our dining plan. And I got this piece of cake, right? My wife got a piece of cake. It was like this tall and about that wide. It was, it was like a wedge of cake. And I got a different cake. And I wanted them to share my delicious cake. Like, here, take a bite, just a bite. Not, not, not much more than that. I want the rest. But, but I want them to experience the deliciousness of my cake. And they didn't want to eat it. They didn't want to take a bite. And it saddened me. <laughs> I didn't tell them about it until now. But it saddened me. Like, why would you, what's wrong with my cake? <laughs> There's something in each one of us that when we find something we enjoy, we want everybody else to know about it. The, the only way to fully enjoy something is to share it. And when we keep his commandments, when we abide in love, and his commandment is to love others, to reflect the love of the Father, then our joy is full. We cannot have full joy in Christ and keep our faith private and so self-centered and so all about us and God rescuing us from our current dilemma. We cannot have fullness of joy if we're not sharing sacrificial love if our if our deeds aren't being made known i'm not saying walk around every time you do something good you post it on your facebook what i'm saying is actually do good things for people there's a refugee crisis in this city there is a child hunger problem in this city there is sex trafficking issues in this region there are things to get involved at in make sense there are ways to do good that reflects the kingdom of God and sacrificial love. And I'm asking us, are we glorifying him just in private or are we glorifying him so that others see it and they give him glory as well? Because if it's just one, then we are missing a part of the beauty of the Christian life. That our joy is there, but it's not full. 
This is an invitation not to be a better person, not to do more things and to keep some kind of old law. It's simply an invitation to keep his law, to love him and to love others, and that your joy is full. This, is, this, is, this might sound selfish, but it's not. We are, we are invited by the, the goodness of a good and gracious Father to walk in this thing, to receive more joy. God... It, there's early church heresies that, and, and they're still around today that believe that the Christian life is supposed to be a lot of misery and, and suffering. And I do believe that there's suffering for the gospel, absolutely. But when we make it all about suffering, we miss the fact that he has come to set us free and to give us fullness of joy. Good. Worship team, would you come forward? In, in 1 Thessalonians... Paul tells the church in Thessalonica that they are his glory and joy. That those that he has led into faith, that he's matured as disciples, that he's poured himself into, that he's revealed the glory of the Father, they are his glory and joy. Anytime you lead somebody to a knowledge of God's grace, it brings glory and joy to yourself as well as the Father. Does that make sense? And that is good. Jesus leaves us with this great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. Well, what's his commandments? To love God and to love others. It's simple. This morning I ask, are you keeping his glory for yourself? Or are you bringing others into an awareness of it? Are you allowing them to see it? Would you stand with me as we worship? My desire is that when we come together in this place, God would reveal himself to us. He would change our hearts. He would stir something inside of us. But then the moment that we walk out of these doors and into the streets of Scranton and the surrounding areas, we would take what God has revealed in here, in this space, in this time, and we would display it to everyone around us. Make sense? That we would invite people back into this thing. I'm not saying City Lights Church. Our goal wasn't to build City Lights Church. Our goal was to build His church. Our goal was to build the kingdom of God, that more people would give Him glory. That's our goal. That's our desire. And, uh, and this morning, I, I would be silly to not, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted His gift of grace, there's a free invitation right now for you to receive grace. It's simply you saying, Jesus, I need your grace. I need you as Lord and Savior. But for the rest of us who have, you're given an invitation to share that, to let the world see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. That's where we're at. That's what we're going after right now. This, everything is about his glory, to, to be amazed by his glory, to experience his glory, and to share his glory. We have to be a missional church. We have to be living on mission, salt and light to the earth.